0: Hey, and welcome back to Podcast, the number one podcast for product teams, but we won't be Podcast for long. That's right. In January, we're going to be rebranding to Lessons in Product Management. So on the episode that drops on January 4th, you're going to see a logo change and a name change. Um, so it's going to, instead of Podcast by John Fontenot, it is going to be Lessons in Product Management brought to you by Path to Product. All right, and Path to Product is Uh, My company where I'm helping to train the next wave of aspiring product managers and help bridge the gap In product management experience for those aspiring product managers. So that way you can land your first product role Alright, so on today's episode I get I got to speak to Azar Ali Shad. Okay. Azar is based in Germany And he helped found a startup called eComply that was all about taking advantage of the fact that GDPR uh, was a big thing in Europe, right? And he was trying to help companies be compliant, right? But but he learned some really great lessons along the way. So today, Azar is head of growth at Userpilot, but before he got there, he was at this startup and learned a lot of really great lessons. And one of the key takeaways, as you saw in the title, was how clear definition leads to concrete solutions. So we're gonna unpack that through this episode. I'm really excited for you to hear what Azar has to say. So let's get started. Hey Azar, welcome welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, my man.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, it's a pleasure. So to kick things off, could you give the listeners an introduction of yourself, uh, a little bit about your background and, and what you're doing today?
1: Yeah, so technically I started my career as a field sales guy. I used to go door to door to B2B companies and used to sell them telecom connections. Then I graduated later in Germany and stayed here while in Germany. I started working with a very good YC startup and um, everything about online marketing and online sales I learned there. And then I had my own startup, which the reason why we're talking today and uh, and the, then now I'm the head of growth at User Pilot, helping them with uh, everything which is requires and the pilot metrics, act from awareness to actual retention. And I am the guy who just goes into one part of the funnel and try to fix it. up.
0: very cool. And so yeah, to, to your point, we do want to talk about about your startup. So, could could you explain what the startup was and, and kind of what the driver behind starting it was?
1: So there were two, two startups. Um, uh, which one would you like to talk about? One of them was, uh, the, uh, Uber alternative, right? So uh, like, uh, the one which didn't work out at all, it was a marketplace and the other mm-hmm. one was on GDPR, which is basically the, um, the market was going crazy on this new law in Europe. And, um, so I, I would like to know like, which one should we talk about?
0: Yeah. I, I think before we had talked about e-comply the, the GDPR one.
1: Cool. So, um, Basically, um, the way we the the comply concept was based on the fact that there was a law coming in in May 2018. That was a hard cut on 25th May, and uh, the whole world was going crazy on privacy. And uh, we were actually so we were granted a scholarship. Um, and um, and I would, somehow the other German government is much more friendlier. give you the scholarship and grant to work on your projects. And I got that. And um, for half a year, we couldn't find any kind of a, any kind of a thing that we could actually work on in GDPR because it was such a big topic. And then we said, Hey, everybody actually wants, has to be GDPR compliant. So why not work for the smaller companies? Basically um, we were looking for six months around um, kind of a product uh, idea what we should work on because we just said hey GDPR then there are so many things we can solve there and so we decided to help smaller businesses in terms of bookkeeping of GDPRs and we called it data protection management system where that can actually help them understand where the data is and tell them help them with their documentation without the law without the data protection officer and so that was the idea to actually replace data protection officers.
0: Very cool so what was the that, that process of figuring out like okay there's this opportunity because there's this new concern for privacy um like were, were you hearing from businesses that they were like concerned like how did you know like where to attack the problem
1: yeah so the thing is we had a very weird we very, very weird way of thinking usually when you start a product you find out who actually needs it and they actually know their pain and they actually know exactly what they need so we knew that we knew the persona, we knew uh, the market, and we knew that they have a problem, but they didn't know anything about what exactly they need. They need, they need, they knew that they need to do something about it. So what happened was that um, for three to four months, we talked to like data protection lawyers, and we talked to entrepreneurs, and and then slowly, gradually, we started seeing that. Um, one of our competitors, one of the big competitors was running a data protection management system. I said, hey, let's just, let's just go this way. These are going enterprise. We just help the smaller companies. Um, but this was the first time in my life where customer was not pushing for a feature because they didn't know anything about it. They didn't know what they need. And we had data protection uh, managers who had their process in an Excel sheet so we thought maybe we can move those Excel sheets to actually the the system. But they were really happy with their Excel sheets. So we really for a while didn't know who to target and what to build until we talked to a couple of um, so we had we hired an advisor who was an actual data protection officer, and he said, okay, let's move her system into digital because that's where she's currently doing right now with Excel sheets and Word documents. Uh, why not we just um, make her some process Excel sheet and Word documents into a SaaS solution? And you know, like there's a huge, uh, um, like huge, like a article on like how SAS are replacing Excel sheet. So we thought we can also replace Excel sheet. And somehow or the other we found out that people still love Excel sheet than than SaaS solution, which was uh, not we thought as as we believed.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So so there was this idea that in the same way that most SaaS products were replacing these either manual processes or things that people were trying to manipulate in Excel, um, and, and so you decided to kind of attack it that same way, but the market was, was hesitant to move off of the Excel documents. Is Is that right?
1: Yeah, no, no. So one part of the market was hesitant to move from Excel, and the other part of the market was actually didn't know what they needed. So we said, okay, at least the one which wants something and didn't know what they need, we can tell them what do they need and then they can just follow the process. Okay. And so that's how we, we attacked, the, attacked the problem. Very cool.
0: And so as, as you identified the problem that, that you could solve well in, in the part of the market that, that would be accepting to it, how did it go as you tried to kind of launch into that market and and get sales going for the product?
1: Yeah, so it was actually a very fun ride. So May 2018, the product was actually, uh, the, the law was coming. We did not even have anything until February 2018. So we just had two or three months to actually launch something. By March 2018, we had something to launch. Um, and uh, then we launched and we got like five customers who actually were willing to pay for it somehow because they they had a problem and they still haven't solved it. So GDPR itself the topic was actually just getting delayed and delayed and delayed and everybody just wanted to love delaying because it's a it's a documentation like paperwork that nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to do not so fun job and then it kind of made people feel bad about themselves because they said hey you know, you, when you're in like an FBI meeting, getting scrutinized, that's how it, people felt like it. So nobody loved doing it. So they just kept delaying it. So that was good for us. And March, 2018, we ran a early beta access and we got huge traction. We got a lot of people, a lot of demos. I was um, I was like under a lot of, uh, every day I had like five to six demo calls and then helping people out. And that way I felt like we had a product market fit.
0: and so you're getting all this traction and you're getting some some paying customers uh through this this beta process so what what ended up happening like did did these demos just go well and and then like the the company just kind of took off like what what was uh what happened after that initial traction
1: yeah so my demo conversion were rates were actually crazy um we had um I had like 70% of demo conversion rates. And I'm like, I was surprised because a normal demo conversion rate, even now 20%, 25% is good enough. So I was surprised. And then till 25th of May, we actually had a lot of traction. Like we had a lot of people just going inside the software, figuring it out, finding it out, and then just buying software. And even until the end of June, people were still buying the software. And suddenly by June, 2018, everybody just stopped giving any care for some tool like this because they said, Hey, they, the deadline has gone. Nobody has done anything. Um, so what happened, what ended up happening was that, um, like people were not thinking about the problem anymore. And even like, the thing is like we were running after a law that was be forced, should have been forced by the lawmakers, like, you know, the data protection, um, agencies, uh, by each country. And uh, it was, it, it, it should be enforced, right? So it was enforced, but there was no action around it. So nobody actually got fined the next day. And you must have heard and you must have seen it as well, like, you know, thousands of privacy policy update emails. So apparently everybody updated the privacy policy, but nobody actually worked on the data protection itself. And uh, we still know that a lot of, are not GDPR compliant. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure 70% of them are still not GDPR compliant, but they still call themselves GDPR compliant. And so what ended up happening was that um, people just lost interest in between. And so we had a product. I, I felt like I had a product market fit. My demand was very high, but right after the deadline, everything went uh, south. And that's something I couldn't understand. And even during that time, when we tried to figure out like, hey, what exactly didn't work, Um, I couldn't pinpoint because there was no product problem. And even when we went to talk to customers, they said they're happy and they don't have any feature request. Can you imagine a a software where there is some kind of a need in the market and no customer is actually coming to you telling, Hey, I need this feature. So we said, how can you further, further grow? How can you further grow? So what we did, like we actually pivoted towards like, okay, let's go towards, um, Data protection officers and make it an advanced tool because they will continuously need it, and um, so we, we we ended up working that way as well.
0: Okay, so it's it's interesting that that a market was created based on a legal matter, and then the market almost dissolved overnight because of the lack of legal enforcement. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's it's yeah yeah it's
1: crazy man, it's crazy. I I can't believe that I was even in one of the data protection agencies in in germany that is like really strict actually that actually enforces fines i was in the call in in that meeting and they said hey we are not doing anything we will only go and try to make compliant companies that were actually um which were more i would say four big auto companies in Germany. That's what they said. So they said that we, we don't care about any other company. We just care about look, those four companies. And then we will look into some in 2020 or 2021 uh, to starting to enforce this thing.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I could dive into a tangent on on the, the legal side of things uh, in my opinions, but I'm, I'm gonna avoid that. But let's, um, let, let's go to that, that pivot that you made to the data protection officers. Um, as you started having those conversations and try to make that pivot, um, what happened? Like, did, did you find a need there that that was worth solving?
1: So I personally, I personally don't, uh, this is where I figured out that this is something that I will not be working on for a while, very long time. So I never loved working with data protection officers because they are most, they are the most critical people that I've ever worked with. Because as soon as they see a website, they see hundred problems. And they, they don't see hundred problems they want to optimize. They, they want a hundred problems to point out and make other people feel bad about it. But we still went ahead with it because there was, because if some entrepreneur doesn't need this software every day, somebody still needed some every every week at least. And so we found out that data protection officer would be the good market and we pivoted towards that. And that got us a little bit traction where we became like a, like a solution where All the data protection officers and import their clients data to us and work that way so they can always stay updated and they can always change document. They don't have to open a file change the document there and then save it. They can just work on one SAS. But we where where we actually found a lot of traction and growth was so we still kept growing a little bit um, and eComply was still kept growing a little bit on that supervisory role where the data protection officer works. But eComply actually found a lot more, I would say, uh, market fit when we went to enterprise market. So we said, hey, enterprise, these big companies will take care of, and nobody need an enterprise market. And so we actually ended up winning against that enterprise market. And so now eComply actually is a very detailed tool that helps enterprise companies. And so one of our biggest customers is the technical university of Munich that has around like, uh, I would say like around 500 to 1,000 employees all around the, the university. And so they ended up using it. They had a really big contract that they could use eComply. And we, we had to pivot into that specific Market just because we saw that this is where uh, it can grow, and so now e-compliant companies still we they they're focusing on instead of like data protection officers only. Instead of entre- entrepreneurs, there it, it, everybody can still buy. We still try to fix like the pricing. And so any size of company can still buy. But the actual money where it lies is actually the enterprise market of universities. So they're only targeting German universities that are actually trying to be compliant and want to stay compliant forever. So that's where the market we found as a fit. And that was the story of eComply. Yeah,
0: that, that, that's a really cool story on how it started and the different pivots that happened and kind of why and what the market drivers were. Um, And it it really gives like testament to like how many outside forces can, can drive changes in a startup and in a product outside of just the features or the initial customer that you set out to solve a problem for.
1: Yeah. So my learning for this would be that, uh, you know, they say the number one reason why a startup fails is timing. So I would actually uh, relate this to a timing. I, I think there should have not been any kind of uh, uh, timing deadline. They should have said you have to be enforced, and then and then the enforcement should have been there. So that's like one learning that I found out. The other thing that we already should have figured out as a product manager was that if our customers are not telling us what they really need, um, we should have known that like this will be like this, and we should. Either get out or go towards more enterprise where people were actually asking for something like this. Um, I actually ended, every enterprise who I reached out to was actually very responsive. And those were the signs that we I, I, should have looked at. You know, a product never fails. This is my opinion a product never fails. What fails is the market. And I think in this case, this is a classical sense where the market has failed uh, to adopt a product. Maybe it was too early for the market. The competitors who are in the market right now, they have a complete end-to-end solution and they are growing still as fast. Um, I saw a TechCrunch article, they are like valued around 75 billion and they they started just like us. But the thing is like, we ended up choosing a small business market and they ended up choosing multinationals. And that's where we should have been. So if somebody has to learn from this story is that you should actually, you should not ignore where the market is going and where the where that problem actually is solved. We thought that we were actually small businesses, we can understand small business better, so we should serve them. But it's not about what we want, but it's actually what people wanted and we kept ignoring it. So that's my learning from this specific product story.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Well, Azar, thank you for coming on. Uh, I I know you have to go, but I appreciate your time and and sharing with the listeners what you've learned with the startup and and how it it didn't actually, you know, fail. It took some pivots and um, had some rough patches at at the start, but it's found its market fit. Uh, It's moving forward. And even though you've moved on, you helped create something that's still adding value today. So thank you.
1: Yeah. No worries. Well, one other learning is that, you know, you should never give up. And uh, so my co-founder, ex-co-founder never gave up. And he kept pivoting to actually find the, find where exactly the need is. And so he found a way to actually sustainable run a business, not a huge business, but still a good business that can keep 10 people's salary running. So yeah. And thanks for having me.
0: That was zar Ali shot. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please hit that subscribe or follow button. Give us a review if you like what you've been hearing. And if you're looking to get into product management, please check us out at path to And the two is the number two, so path2product.io. We'll see you there. The community's growing. Um, people are already jumping into the course and learning a ton from the hands-on experience they're getting there. So if you're looking to get your shot at product, and you keep getting told that you need experience before you get the role here's your opportunity to get that so i'll see you there i'll see you on the next episode and i'll see you in our first branded episode as lessons in product management